Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Joe Lou, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And this week's sermon was about what to remember when God's calling doesn't really seem to make sense. And if you're anything like me, there may be moments in time where it seems like some of the convictions and promptings of the Holy Spirit may not really make much sense to us. Why would God call us to places that are obscure or uncomfortable when we're experiencing flourishing? But it's in these moments that can really offer us an opportunity to see what God might really be doing um, according to his calculations and according to what his agenda is so that we can really reach the one lost sheep, the one seeker who is seeking God wholeheartedly. And I thought this was a great reflection piece for me to really think about where God is working in my life to really make me aware of um, the ways in which he's working, especially given the fact that, you know, we have this time and space through the pandemic to think about um, what God is doing behind the scenes. And so um, I hope you guys really take away from this message. Without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Hey guys, welcome back to my quarantine office again. So as we go back and explore various themes in the Book of Acts this summer, we come back to that question we've been asking throughout the summer and even last week at the Day in the Sun. The question, why does God allow such disruption when we're finding that new normal, a new sense of normalcy? Why does God allow that? And that question was excavated and really rose out of Acts chapter 8, the chapter we're going to conclude today. We've seen in chapter 8 that a great persecution hit the church. And that scattered the New Testament church, a few thousand new believers in the early church, to all parts, remote parts of the world. And we asked that question, why did God allow such thing? Well, because apart from persecution, the early church would have been antiquated to become an exclusive social club. Prophetic hippies that simply prophesy but never leave the room to fulfill anything of consequence. I have no problem with prophecy. Today in the Church of America, also that's taking place, a lot of people are making things that are supposed to be part of the church life, but making it the main part. I don't have a problem with prophecy. I have a problem with prophesying, but not fulfilling them. You need to go out, the le- cross the street, go to another nation, go to a city, and proclaim the gospel. But sometimes when we're, what, embedded in culture and community, it's so cozy and comfortable. What happens? We forget the mission. And that's why God allows the great persecution, right? 
to refocus mission. That was the answer. That is particularly what took place in Acts chapter 8. And we, the flow of the text excavated from this passage, Philip, one of the deacons, with Stephen, and then one of the seven, went to Samaria. And when he went to Samaria, we, be, we began to see a mighty work begin. The first time in the beginning of Acts chapter 8, we see God scatter the church. When the church is fighting a new sense of normal, a new normacy, here in the middle of Acts chapter 8, we see God send Philip. And in Samaria, it's not just getting settled, it's flourishing. There's prosperity taking place. It's something you could really build, something you could really work on. It could go viral and become the epicenter of Christianity. And we do that in our culture. We like to fan the flame of something, momentum. We treasure that. And we want to build on something, whether it's a brand, whether it's a business. When, when you capture momentum, you ride it until, it's, until it dies. But rather than that, God does something interesting. God takes Philip out of this mighty work and rather staying in Samaria and continuing to fan the flames of this revival, he calls him to Gaza, which is the other side in the south from where he is. It's about a hundred miles away. And he's not calling Philip to another movement, not another nation, not even a city. He calls him to the middle of the road somewhere in Gaza that meets Ethiopia to meet an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high government official, just one person seeking him. And here's where the penny drops, folks. Sometimes we forget in the midst of so much spiritual activity God, the God's, the Father heart of God is always looking to those who are looking for Him. And that Luke integrates into this chapter that theme in Luke 15, right? The one he wrote to Theophilus, the parable of the one lost sheep, how God rejoices over one sinner, over 99 righteous. God is not sending Philip to lead a movement or a nation, but just one seeker. The value of the kingdom of God unpacked. And those of you watching today who are seeking him, who are not a Christian, who are, could be agnostic, atheist, antagonistic to faith, students, professionals, wherever you might be, this is why we're having this broadcast and this is why 180 exists to reach the one lost? And that's a question we're going to answer today. Why does God at times call us from prosperity to what seems like obscurity? We'll go to the text and learn those lessons together. Be back in a minute. Bye. Today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kentucky, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. 
This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So in the beginning, we asked a question, why does God at times call us from prosperity to obscurity or to what seems like obscurity? Right. We see in this passage, Philip is, in the, is embedded in a mighty revival of God in Samaria. Then God begins to move in power. And it says in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. He doesn't even really give him an address, just a sense of trajectory. And go, goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. He says, go in this direction to meet a seeker. So in verse 27, it says, so he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the conduct which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had come, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So the first question was, why? From prosperity to obscurity. And the first lesson is excavated from this text is that God's calculus is vastly different than ours. And we talked about that in the beginning of this message, that Luke, again, is integrating the idea of the parable of the lost sheep. One over the 99. One over the many. The value of the heart of God. You see, today, in our churches in America, research shows that rather than planning churches in major secular cities where people need them, nine out, of ten, nine out of ten churches in America are planted where there are already the most churches, mostly in the Midwest and the South. Mega churches planning extra venues for believers. Yes, and, and I'm not criticizing church growth movements or anything like that. I'm just stating the facts. We're not planting churches where people need Jesus. We're planting churches where there are already churches saturated with Christians. This seems contrary to what? 
the text. God sometimes calls us out of the mega movements, out of where there's already a revival, and calls us to just one, as we see in this passage. I remember when we first came to Manhattan, as we were searching for venues, we wanted the novelty to be right at the heart of Union Square, to, be, to, be, to say that we are a church at Union Square, not near it. And that's pretty good, but we wanted Regal. It was the new novel theater. AMC, back then, God's been gracious to us and renovated it. And it's beautiful now if you've been in there, the renovation. But before it was like kind of grimy and old. And the seats were, I don't know, it wasn't very appetizing. I didn't have any food in there. And, and we wanted the novelty and we, we really went for it. But God somehow called us to what is not Union Square, but next to it, an obscure theater. The theater that usually celebrities come hang out on. And it wasn't anything... There's no novelty to it. It was really old and, and beaten down. But you know what? One of the most amazing experiences I have, where God leads us sometimes, not from the, the epicenter, but to that place that seems forgotten or not the best, is when we came to the theater, we met someone like Boyd who was working there for over 20 years. And... Little by little over the years, my family and many of our community members built a relationship. And Boyd, who works, it does maintenance and created a storage room and storage for us, came to know the Lord. And in his testimony, I recall such emotional, sentiment, sentimental. God brought the church to me. <laughs> it was such a simple statement. He said, God literally brought the church to me. You see, God's calculus is so different than ours. We think the shiny things will attract the people. And God was already working in Boyd's heart. A man that needed the church to come to him. Just like Philip left the revival in Samaria to come to the place to see this unit, this man seeking for him. That's powerful. Right, right now, I believe God is calling 180 in the midst of this pandemic, this disruption, to be at a place maybe obscure, maybe uncomfortable, because people are seeking the Lord and through it, and in it, I believe God is calling many of us to find seekers that are longing for Him. And will you be open to the Spirit at this moment to choose what is not novel? It's not novelty. And choose what is less when you feel the prompting in your heart. Can you imagine a supernatural sign had to take Philip from the comforts of the revival in Samaria to Gaza, an angel said, go. In the New Testament, in, in the biblical terms, when an angel comes, just listen, we obey. God sent a supernatural sign for one seeker. Again, 
that Luke's the manic theme of one sheep. One single seeker is more valuable to God than entire galaxies, entire planets, entire communities. Whatever crevices, whatever brokenness, wherever they might be, the heart of God is searching. Will you join him when he calls, when he prompts to go to these obscure places right now? So we asked a question in the beginning, why does God at times call us seemingly from prosperity to obscurity? Well, excavated from this passage, second lesson we learned is that we might see obscurity, but God sees destiny. It's very critical to read verse 27, the Ethiopian eunuch who was an important official in charge of the treasury which the queen, representing the queen of Ethiopia, the man who'd gone to Jerusalem and on his way home was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, right? The critical link here is that God sent to an obscure moment to just one seeker, but it wasn't actually obscure. There was potential. And historical moment here in Acts chapter 8 is that God opens the door the gospel to go to Africa. And this Ethiopian eunuch is the ambassador that opens the door for the gospel. And today, Africa is very much majority Christian. So you see, sometimes we think we're leaving something that's so great. When Ephesians 3.20, God, God wants to give us and use us, in us and through us, more than we could ever ask or imagine. God took one tribe, one city from Samaria and was using Philip to touch a continent. Do you see that connection there? What we see as obscure, God sees as Kairos destiny. And a lot of times we miss it because of our calculus. Remember, we said that God's calculus is vastly different than ours. I remember many times when God has called me to humble places in my own life. When he called me to a Nyack College rather than a premier college. My friends asked me in my school, going to Harvard and going to, you know, some premier universities. Where are you going? I said, Nyack. I said, that's what I thought it was called. And logically, with COVID going on and all of you paying thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars for college tuition. And you're, you're paying not for the education, but for the name. And so you understand when I went to a Bible school because I felt called to it, logically, it didn't make sense. And a lot of people said, why are you doing that? And there were some doubts in my heart as well. But this is where I met my wife. The greatest decision of my life, the best decision, I will never regret it. If I could go back and get into, I would not go. 
to Harvard, not go. Yale, nope. Oxford, no. The best decision of my life was meeting my wife, who felt also calm to go there. There was destiny in this humble place. A mighty work of God beginning to start this, this community of 180 together. All the names I could imagine that we've met, all the lives changed. It is the greatest privilege of my life and my wife's life to walk with many of you and have walked with you for over a decade with many of you. But it started from a humble place where, where man saw obscurity, God saw destiny. So you see, wherever God might be calling you, and you might not like it at times, it might be inconvenient, and it might not even be logical. When the Spirit prompts us, we obey, because we get to miss a Kairos moment, God's time. Because our math is off a lot. We're cynical and skeptical. But the things that God wants to do through you and me is powerful. So today, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would show you where He's calling you. To communities, to countries, just across the street, across the room. Because there is destiny waiting. There are people seeking the Lord. I pray that the Spirit today, as we pray together and worship, would convict you. Because I know something like Hudson Taylor said once, God's work done God's way will never lack God's supply. He will provide every single thing you need if you obey the call. There are so many people that are waiting that are longing, that are seeking Him. And really, what we might see as obscurity, God sees destiny. Will you say yes today? Will you say yes to the Lord so He can use you like He did Philip? I pray that you say yes today. So will you raise your hands today with me as we sing and let the Lord minister to you. Amen. Well, first of all, hello, Pastor Lydia. Thank you for joining us again this week. Thank you, Joe, for having me and for <laughs> <laughs> being here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you as well. And uh, well, I guess I'm just kind of thinking, and I've been thinking a lot about this sermon in particular, and we're picking back up with our Pentecost series on the Book of Acts. And... After this message in particular, I guess I just had a, like a bunch of different questions about where I am, or I was thinking about how I should approach or how I should think about um, what God's calling and conviction towards things that don't make sense really look like in my life right now. Um, and I guess like to clarify some of the things that I might have some confusion about or am not really sure how to approach is like wondering about where, like what's really 
happening here um as far as god's calling towards obscurity right god, or how do we know that god it might be calling us towards obscurity when we're experiencing flourishing or um how to think about it or how to approach it even which is the main question i have because i think dr sammy has been prompting us with the thought of you know why does god allow disruption in our lives um which is a really great reflection piece during uh these covid times and during this pandemic because it seems like a lot of things around us out of our control seem to be disrupting our lives but in this case i felt like it was a little bit nuanced in the sense that it's not necessarily that you know it's in particular to the everyday things that are maybe routine or that we're involved with on a daily basis but in particular when we're experiencing like good things or like flourishing or you know some momentum towards uh what we might perceive as positive right but mm-hmm. it seems like sometimes god calls us towards things away from that momentous event or that thing that's generating a lot of momentum for a different purpose and i guess i was just wondering um like what's really going on here like is is that always the case that god is calling us towards obscurity and towards these like areas that might be um opposite of what we might have imagined what's god's call and such like that so i i guess i just wanted to paint the picture here of what's going on mm-hmm. well i think that god according to i mean well first first god can call us in any way he wants because he sees the whole picture of what's happening in the universe he knows who need him he knows who does not know him yet like he has a very clear picture of all the people in the world right and it could go from obscurity in from a really um great place to a place of obscurity because all of a sudden it goes from big to small but also some god calls us from something very remote and small to something really big and to obey the call there so how and what he calls us to i think that's up to him because he's the mm-hmm. one leading this journey um and this journey of faith and the journey of mission but in the script and from the book of you know acts chapter 8 um there was persecution and philip was basically preaching and doing a really great job of it people were very grateful that he brought the you know gospel and that people heard the good news people were coming to christ and from that place of everything flourishing and you know he's thinking wow let's celebrate these you know these new salvations and maybe he was about you know people brought cake and they were trying to celebrate people coming to Christ like i mean i don't know i'm just imagining and he was about to cut the cake and the angel of the lord um you know leads him speaks to him to go south on some obscure road to meet someone right well at the mm-hmm. time he doesn't even know that he's going to necessarily meet someone when he's literally brought there to that place so yeah i think 
it's really that first point, like our calculus of how everything should work out. A lot of times I think it's kind of, even if we're the most cynical, I think we have an expectation of how things should turn out. And um, e even cynics, you know, we, we might say, well, it should not work out that way. But God actually works outside of the box of our own frame of mm -hmm. how we think and how we calculate. So, um, and I mean, he's God. <laughs> so. Right. Right. So from what I'm getting from this, it's like, it's not like a universal case that God calls us to obscure places, but it's really contextual to what what God is doing in our lives, like at the moment. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a very specific question about security. Mm. Are you trying to talk about, um, well, if you're asking the question, so are there times when it's not as obscure? Of course, there right. are certain mm. times where, you know, situations are very clear as day where mm. you know it's you're not being transported some to some dirt road you know but someone comes to you and says i want to meet like i mean the next step it went from a um it went from obscurity to um potential to destiny right so the steps after right. philip actually met the eunuch um it became very clear because he clearly saw that the eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah. And then um, Philip actually said to him, hey, do you know what this means? And the Ethiopian actually said to him, of course, I don't know what this means unless someone explains it to me. So the conversation mm -hmm. was very, there was no small talk. It was like very clear and very to the point. And the mission itself, the mission journey itself was very to the point. You know, he mm -hmm. asked questions about it. Philip talked to him about it from the context of Isaiah that he was already reading and he was already equipped with. And um, and then he told him about the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And then they found water and bam, they um, he wanted to be baptized and he was baptized. And the second he was baptized, he was transported back and they never saw each other again. So it oh. went from very obscure to potential to destiny you know mm. very clear very quickly so i think the word obscure is such a great word to use um because i think it kind of states the state of our understanding of how things should go not just the environment you know I think the dirt the dirt road is kind of uh, I guess a good picture of what it might seem like. Oh, what am I supposed to go from here? I don't know. This is dusty. Uh, is this supposed to be the right path? Like I think we ask mm. those questions, and that's really because obscurity is something human beings struggle with, you know, mm. in trying to make sense of things. Right. But the I've... thing about the calling of I'm sorry, the thing about the calling of God is that quickly when you obey even though it doesn't make sense you can quickly see the potential because you see that god always has a reason for why he does what he does mm. right and and the, for that reason is like there is sort of these kairos moments that dr samuel was talking about in that there's some purpose being fulfilled via 
what we might perceive as obscure or strange or things that don't seem to make sense in terms of our view of what God is doing. Yeah. Hmm. Well, interesting. I feel like, because like, that makes a lot of sense because now that I'm starting to think about all the times where I've said this doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why would God be doing this right now? And it's sort of, it's sort of addressing that even though it doesn't, there's no like, there's not a ton of clarity about our own understanding of what God might be doing. Um, perhaps if we can assess or like see that something about our calculations don't exactly match up with God's calculation that in there, that there is something that God is trying to do that is towards destiny, right? Or like that arrives at something that God is trying to accomplish through us. Right. Yes. Yeah. Cause you, and you're saying, you said that there's so many times where you thought so. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah 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 uh definitely because um you it's know still I think obscure, there's a... Joe. <laughs> yes it's still obscure <laughs> i mean i agree because i think a lot of things still don't make a ton of sense <laughs> in my life uh -huh. right now but uh -huh. i'm just thinking back to you know a, a number of times where like for example i think um when i was younger or like when i was you know starting to walk in my journey with god and i was i was trying my best to be aligned and such. One of the stories that I was reminded of in my life in regards to this message was, you know, I had a friend in high school and, um, you know, before we were friends, I didn't really like this guy. So like, um, I, it was not like I necessarily wanted to hang out with him or like, you know, spend time with him, but I did feel sort of a conviction or prompting to, um, bring him to church or invite him to church with my friend um, mm -hmm. at the time, um, which didn't make any sense to me, like by all means, because like, I didn't like this guy. He picked on me quite often when we were in high school. So I, you know, I, to me, like, why would God want me to do this? Or I didn't like understand what is really going on based off my journals or my reflections and such like that. Um, but it was, I, I guess in that, like, lack of clarity of what's really going on you know god uh reached him through uh my friend and i and he we brought him to church and he was safe right and so like i guess all in all i can see the traces of destiny um sort of at work in that person's life right and this is just one example and it's only like clear now because i've had guidance regarding it and like you know the the details were worked out about what was really going on because this was like years ago. But, you know, I feel like th it, it's kind of reminding me of that as an example, because it was at the time that I didn't necessarily see or I was unaware of what God was really doing. But it's in that that God is able to reach one person, um, maybe even for a reason that I'm not even entirely sure about. But it's about being able to recognize those moments um, as far as this message goes. Yeah. Well, I think that why things are so obscure is because we see our reasons why it shouldn't be. 
but God has reasons that are totally irrelevant to our own reasons. Like at the time you were, you know, kind of going by what you're saying, like you, you thought it makes no sense. I never got along with this guy, you know, but one clear thing is really the concept that, you know, in the parable in Luke, Jesus talks about how he leaves the 99 righteous to find the one that, um, that needs to repent to find him. And what was very clear, although I think in the process we kind of forget in, you know, in the process is that he, just to kind of color in the picture, he never went to church. Mm. He's never been to church. And two, he had not heard the gospel ever, right? Mm -hmm. So, to God, those things mattered, but clearly he was seeking for God. And so God knew what had to happen. So I remember when he came to our church, right? He came to, through basketball, he came, mm -hmm. which is something that he really enjoys. And um, he heard the gospel and that's when he decided to give his life to Christ. He understood that God was gracious and loving and um, that he saves, right? So I think a lot of times we're kind of trying to make things work so smoothly that we kind of miss the very important parts that are actually the most important um, and is really on God's mind. God's really trying to save people, you know? And I think Jesus, that's why he says, you know, when he looked at, he looked out to the field, scripture says, and Jesus said, pray for workers because the harvest is plentiful, but workers are few. Mm -hmm. Because God clearly sees those who need to know him. Just like he saw the eunuch, just saw, just like he saw your friends. And he's calling on workers to actually, you know, obey obey through the process and he God is good because I think even if you're totally clueless or I'm totally clueless you know when when we ask him to lead us he does lead us he's he is able to do that you know mm. so thank God for that because <laughs> we would mess yeah. it up pretty badly if it was up to us right yeah and I also think because sometimes I feel as if I'm not even really sure what God is doing or like, I, I'm just totally unaware, but something happened, you know, like that where God is able to reach people or do things through us. Because I think if it was left up to me and my own ideas and my preconceived notions, I probably like would mess it up. You know, like I probably, probably would drop the ball. Yeah. Because of, I, I, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Mm. It is, yeah. it is, you know, it's, it's sometimes our blindness is like our worst, um, I guess, characteristic of a human being. But we, what we can't see, you know, we doubt, we forget doubt, like we don't even 
forget cynical. Like we just, if we can't see it, we're like, oh, it's not happening. Nope, I can't. Nope, you know, our calculation、mm-hmm. is so wrong, so often. And so thank God for the Holy Spirit that is here with us, who is here with us to continue and finish the work that God Jesus started. You know, well, well God、mm-hmm. started through Christ when He sent His Son here. So the Holy Spirit is our aid and our helper. Right. I mean, Philip was transported by the Spirit, prompted by the angel of the Lord, and transported by the Spirit to to get this job done, and transported back to you know. So the Holy Spirit's work is huge, but I think our part is also huge. Hmm. Um. Can I ask you about what? Our part might look like in this context because it's like great and it's awesome that the Holy Spirit does what He does so that things can happen, right? But like, I I feel like the factor, the confounding factor, or the thing that could you know, like, I guess we do have control over or that can either aid in what God is doing or sort of retract from it is us ultimately, right? Like we, depending on if we obey or if we're aware. There's so many things revolving around us. I'm I'm just wondering, also like, what does our part in partnership with the Holy Spirit look like in terms of this? Yeah, I think you know I I was thinking through this also after hearing the message. I think you know one one thing I hear pretty often, right, amongst Christians, um, you know, is that. You know, there's a lot of focus, and you know the community aspect is really important. But I think often, and we we've been talking about this throughout the summer and throughout the pandemic, from the series of messages. But we forget why the community of God exists, and that it's because evil exists, and why the、mm-hmm. and why the mission exists <laughs> because evil exists, and why、um, it's so urgent, right? Like, okay, how do I say this? I think a lot of times. It is much easier to focus on the needs of the community and to stay there and making it better and building relationship. I mean, it's hard to build relationships. Don't get me wrong, but I think a lot of times we try to stay away from people who are far from faith because it can be annoying to some.、Mm. When you try to share something that you understand to be true and you know to be true, and others are resistant to it, you know, or antagonistic to it, it, of course, as human beings, it could definitely rub us the wrong way. It could definitely not feed our souls, you know. Like no one wants、mm-hmm. to walk into trouble and, you know,、um, be in a place of resistance. Or, but I think a lot of times,、um, Christians kind of. What's the word? Not shy away, but literally, kind of turn away from mission of the one that needs the Lord, and we tend to focus a lot on the coziness of being Christians together, you know.、Mm. And a lot of times, it's um like you know, it's like the the statistics or the research that you know Sam shared. That a lot of times that churches are built where churches exist, 
And yes, there is an unbeliever in any town, in any borough, in any state, in any country. But a lot to state the fact that a lot of times we'd rather go where things are a lot more common and comfortable than where things are a lot more remote and obscure and difficult, you know? And I think we do that in our own, I, in our own, I guess, where we are placed even, we resist the people that don't understand and don't like um, our faith or our un our understanding and focus of growth, um, of fellowship, of, you know, anything that, that is about Christ. And we'd rather focus our time and everything on and with people that think like us, you know? So um, I think that's kind of like a major area. I think that, you know, as believers, we could re-examine, you know, mm. we're, and it's like a very, I think I would even ask like, where, where are the places you don't want to go? Cause I think we have a tendency of saying, oh yeah, that's not me. I'm just going to stay right here. I'm, I'm not going to talk to that person. And I'm not talking about like, you know, a difficult unbeliever, a difficult believer or someone mm. you've had difficulty with. I'm not talking about believers. I'm talking about non-believers, people who are seeking faith, people who are exploring faith, people who are showing up to church, wanting to learn about faith, um, but are still antagonistic to it because, well, they're trying to learn about it. Right. So. I think it's an area to re-examine um, as believers, because oftentimes I think that we struggle in that, we, including myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I'd rather, of course, I'd rather be in a spirit-filled prayer meeting with people who understand what I'm praying about, people who understand, you know? But I think a lot of times God is calling us not just to pray, but out of our comfort to actually reach out and to believe and to pursue, you know, in different directions where we would not go to talk to people mm. we would not want to talk to, to re-engage with people that are not believers. But I think we often don't do that because we'd rather stay comfortable. Right. I guess my, Next question regarding that is then how do you know that you're too comfortable? You know, because I think one of the things that I I think I fall into this trap of thinking that I'm doing stuff, but I'm really not, you know, like mm -hmm. I think that I'm involved in mission because um I'm with a group of friends that are non-believers or that I am in an uncomfortable place in life and so maybe i'm not comfortable but also on on the other hand as much as i might be telling myself oh i i'm in a obscure unfamiliar uncomfortable place in life th there could also be the like like i'm i am i'm too comfortable like how do you know that you are in a place where you you're you're you know not doing mission right because i think the <laughs> hard part is to know if you are or if you're not because i could think i'm doing it but 
I might not really be, which is a lot of what I was thinking about after hearing this message too. Like as much as I told myself, I thought I was doing mission. Am I really heeding the call or, you know, reaching the lost or reaching the one that God might be impressing on my heart, you know? Yeah. I think it's, I guess it's for nuance, right? Because it's, I mean, if the situation is that you're a believer and you don't talk to any unbeliever because you want to stay in your cocoon of believers for your own sake um, and not for mission sake, then that's, I think that's the extreme where you want to come out and um, of that by asking the Lord, Lord, who am, like, maybe the focus is too much on me when the purpose of the community is for the sake of the mission and it's because evil mm. exists to remind to be reminded of that right and i would say that's kind of on the extreme side but it's a very common side because i think that a mm. lot of times i think studies show that when you become a christian you actually kind of lose all your non-believing friends because they don't mm. agree with you or they don't get what you are trying to do or and oftentimes that happens because you're not in the mission and you're all about self-growth. And I think when there's too much focus and no focus on the mission and too much focus on self-growth and comfortable comfort in that growth and there's no room for mission, I think that's when that happens often. Um, so I think that's, extreme but also very common as well um but how do you know if you're really comfortable um well the thing is one person could be witnessing by too many people right mm -hmm. and so but you start doubting some you know some like i guess some approaches or some pursuit of mission and you go, oh, that person's not going to come to Christ. Forget it. I should just fold this plan. I don't want to talk to them anymore. It's annoying. I don't want to reach out to that person anymore. I've told them about service so many times. They don't show up, you know, or, you know, every time I tell them about the gospel, why do they have all these questions? Well, then I think that that's something to rethink. Well, they have questions because they actually want to know. Instead of, oh, why you ask so many questions? You're so annoying. You know, so there's that. I mean, it's so petty, but I think we do it all the time. You know, we get just so annoyed when people are not mm -hmm. on the same page with us and or as us. Um, but I think it's always good to reassess, you know, like where, where I am. Am I really living out the heart of God that God has for people? Um, am I really looking at, um, the way that he looks at one lost sheep or would I rather be with the crowd and kind of enjoy my life, you know? So I think this message helps us re-examine all of that, where, whether you're reaching out to five people or one person, or you've lost sight of anyone that's not Christian, you know? And all your Facebook, I guess, notifications or 
um, on feed is about Jesus memes and church memes and pastor memes or, you know what I mean? And it's no longer um, anyone that's not a believer. I think that happens all the time. I guess just look around and ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what am I missing here? Clearly, it's the word of God is not up here. You know, it's very clear that Jesus um, goes out to find the one that needs, one lost sheep that needs him, that wants to repent, that wants to find him, right? Mm. That's never, ever obscure. But I think we make it very, we make it more difficult than it is by kind of um, making it though as though like, oh, you know, I don't know what God is doing really. Well, I think one way to know is, well, look around, look around your environment, look around your life and ask the Holy and then ask the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, like there are a lot of people, but am I missing? Am I not? I'm not really sure where to go from here. Spirit of God, can you lead me? Can you begin to lead me? And mm -hmm. um, can you give me courage? I think that's a big one, too. Like. Can you give me courage to reach out to the people that I know that don't know you? You know, so. Mm. Let's see. Yeah. I'm just thinking, cause like, you know, I, I think one of the things that of course crossed my mind after listening to this message was, did I miss somebody or like, did I, you know, in, in like the whole, because I think, again, talking about my own assumptions about myself in regards to mission, like assuming that I am doing mission and just kind of approaching my life as if I am aware that I'm doing mission, but that kind of neglects the aspect of me where I could just have clearly missed something um, mm -hmm. without me knowing, you know, so. um. I guess as far as that goes, what you were saying to me reminds me that, you know, maybe the best way to approach mission is like, like, is it, is it on a person by person basis also? Cause like if God's heart is for the one lost sheep and maybe if my approach was so fixated on like, okay, like this group of people or, my place in terms of like my proximity um is it like di was there was did i have the wrong idea coming into mission as in maybe it was always about the prompting of one person you know what i mean so i, I guess i was just wondering what like how do we know that we missed that call or did we miss the call or will we know that God is calling us to a specific person at a given time? I think we missed the call a lot. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I think because we pass by people all the time and I don't mean just like physically on the street. Right. But I, I mean, like we kind of pass by opportunities all the time. And what the Bible teaches us to do is to be prepared to um give a reason for the hope that you have in christ which means it says to be expecting to meet someone who will wonder about that right 
But I think oftentimes we're kind of just living our lives and um, we're so tunnel vision in the way that we approach things, our calculation is off. And so I think just it's good to assume that we are already missing so many people mm. who are looking for him. I think what's gracious of God is that he will help us, you know, because it's his heart and it's his um, desire to save people, um, to rescue people, to redeem people. Like that's his heart to redeem relationship with him himself. So, you know, the um, in James, it says that when you ask for wisdom, that God is good and he will never say, why are you asking me for wisdom? Figure that out. Mm -hmm. He will never do that. To those who ask for wisdom, he will always faithfully give wisdom, you know? Um, so he is available to help us. But I think it's kind of like, I think the assumption is that we do miss and that's why we need to pay attention. And that's why we need to be prepared. You know, and that's why we need to remember that the mission isn't finished because look around people, not everyone knows the Lord, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Let's see. Well, I definitely have to try to incorporate that in my life because, you know, I think I approach mission as if I'm already doing it. But if it's in the case that, you know, we miss so many opportunities. Um, I'm, I'm wondering then the, about destiny, really. Then, right? Because I guess that sort of leads me to wondering about what I guess how Dr. Sammy was talking about destiny. It seemed like this was supposed to happen in this way, or it's meant to happen in this way, right? And I guess I just wanted to also clarify what you know, destiny means in this context, because, you know, I think there's a lot of ideas of, you know, predestination or fate or like, this was like, God's plans to set things, these things into motion so that it happens in this way. But, you know, I, I guess I'm just kind of trying to reconcile missed opportunities and destiny. Like, how do... Yeah, I guess the other word that he used is Kairos moment. Uh -huh. So there are people in need of being reached out to, to evangelize to everywhere, right? I mean, it, it, they are everywhere. Um, but what's, I guess what this, um, this text brings, and um, it's really encouraging, is that God's Kairos time, it's when God's timing and our timing meets and just magic happens, right? Destiny happens as a result. Mm. And so, and I think that's really the role of the spirit, like really leaning on the spirit and trusting the Holy Spirit. I mean, not every salvation story happens like Philip and the eunuch, because that was like a very quick, you know, well executed, like everything was already set up. Basically, yeah. he was in and he was out, right? Um, but I think it gives hope to evangelism that when God shows up in the way that he does, like when we're faithful because of the need and when we are led by him because of the need, um, 
God will do his part and he will reveal himself to those who seek him. Because the promise, I think a lot of times we kind of forget, we, we focus on our approach and we kind of forget what it was like to be an unbeliever. And we kind of forget the promises that he makes to those who don't yet know him. And the promise mm-hmm. is that if you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. Right. So, and we see that time and time again, like, um, in the book of Acts, um, you know, Lydia and her like house servants or whatever, they she had all these servants. She was like a wealthy lady of the time. Um, she they said that she was a worshiper of the Lord, and they would go to, you know, by the water and pray. And Paul shows up there. I mean, that's Kairos. Paul shows up there, and he preaches the gospel, and actually. They all, the whole household, Lydia and all the people who worked for her, um, actually came to Christ as a result. And she became a huge, um, benefactor, like benefactor, um, to Paul's ministry, right? Mm. She was seeking, she was worshiping. And it says that about the eunuch. The eunuch was already seeking and he was at a point where he needed to understand the gospel because gospel is never told in a, it just doesn't happen. Like um, the Bible says that how beautiful are the feet that bring good news because someone has to bring the gospel. Like it's people don't just hear it on their own. That's why missionaries exist. That's why evangelism exists people, because people can't come to that understanding on their own without actually hearing about the one who saves. And so I think, um, yeah. I well to answer that question, but that makes if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think it's it like makes sense to the degree that I think you know because you know there's no there's no way we can like really boil this down to our understanding of what god does and how he does what he does or why he does what he does right um and that's why i guess we were making the point that his calculations or his calculus is very different from ours because like maybe if we're doing math i mean not math (laughs) maybe if we're doing addition he's doing like you know like calculus right so yeah i i guess it's like there's something that happens when it comes to destiny where if one seeks wholeheartedly for the father the father will answer right and in that way there is kind of a formula for that where one person meets i guess i guess i'm thinking about this in terms of math because i just recently took calculus but you know like one meets the certain prerequisites in order to like fulfill what is necessary for god to also meet this person and so that is kind of like that is destiny in the sense mm-hmm. that the person that is wholeheartedly seeking finds God who, where God said they would be found. Yeah. In the same way that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God, for they will be filled. Yes. Right. Right. But I mean, in I the, I guess lot, I, yeah. mm-hmm. oh no, please continue. Please, please. No, go on, go on. Oh, I, I guess I was just like wondering also then, cause then there's like a, this is like Cairo's time is a very special thing then, right? Like it, it doesn't just like, does it like happen all the time or is it like God 
you know, like I, I'm wondering what is Cairo's time and how do we, cause you're right. I think there's there, the harvest is plentiful and there's so many people that haven't heard the gospel yet. And there's a number of workers, maybe too few that can deliver this news. And like, I guess we can be as proactive as possible, but uh, us being as proactive as possible about mission and the gospel is not necessarily like Kairos moments. Right. So yeah, I guess I was just it's, curious it's about the that. mundane. I think we're faithful in the mundane every day showing up. Uh, and um, when there is that, you know, that the light comes from the sky and everything's like, wow, it's happening. You know, that's like, I think that's how we see right. as Kairos time. But again, I tend to miscalculate how, you know, I can't really be the judge of what was Kairos and what was not because I tend mm. to miss rainbows all the time. You know, it could be in the sky, but I miss it. So I, again, cannot be the judge of how, when, when, when was Kairos? I don't know. I think right. God is doing his work, but. I think we are called to be faithful to the mission and the mundane and called to live for Christ and to follow his path, like in the mundane. So. Mm. I see. Yeah. Well, cause is it, is it that we, because we don't know what those Kairos moments are going to look like or if they're going to happen i mean i'm sure they're going to happen but you know like i guess for us in certain moments we're just not really aware mm -hmm. um is it that we are faithful to the mundane and just like you were saying before like prepared to preach the gospel or talk about the gospel with someone whatever mm -hmm. opportunities might come our way is it like is it is it wrong of me to think about it as like just in case it is a Kairos moment or is that like no 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 I no like I I think I don't think the mistake is thinking something's Kairos when it's not I think I'm just saying that's just not something I would know how to gauge because I am not right right but you know like I I guess I'll I think um you know we have like Josh has well, they're not play dates anymore because of COVID, but he plays outside with certain, like a very small group of kids, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, I know their moms, I know, you know, I know their um, grandmas and whatever. So, you know, while the kids play, we talk and one of the moms, she's not a believer. And um, she was talking about just, some family members who are like teens now and going through their phases of rebellion. And she just feels like she was really sad and discouraged about how teenagers are, are these days, you know, why do they cut themselves? Like, why do they mm -hmm. do that for attention? They do it as a challenge. Like, you know, they really should get their act together, you know, and kind of, I guess, talking about the environment, that it's affecting her and you know in some ways like environment and the friends you make has a lot to do with you know I guess the path that you take right mm. but I remember like listening to her and you know and I think this 
is probably something that many people who are wanting to do the mission feel. It's like, you know, you're hanging out with someone who is a non-believer and you don't know when to bring in your face. <laughs> and you're kind of just, you're having genuine relationship, genuine talk about life, but you feel uncomfortable because it just feels like you have an agenda. I mean, I think if you've been on mission, you think about these things, right? Joe, you've thought about these That's, things, right? Yes, I think about <laughs> it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think about it too all the time. So I'm in this conversation and I could just be like, agree with her like oh yeah you know and not stir up any i guess difference of opinion or conflict or what but i actually felt differently from what she was saying i felt that kids who cut themselves don't just cut themselves for the sake of attention but it's because mm -hmm. they're lost and they need help and i actually believe that kids don't just go the wrong path it's because they're misled and they have not been you know loved or you know directed or guided and ultimately what i said was i said you know i think that's why faith is so important you know mm -hmm. and she was like oh yeah that's right because she knows she knows that i'm a believer she knows that i'm a pastor she goes yeah, yeah. and then um i said because and then i continue because like i wanted to say i wanted to say this and i said because oftentimes you say, well, that's why faith is important. And oftentimes with an unbeliever or even with just like people who think about religion as going to church, like they'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they try to go to church. Yeah, they should go to church. Yeah, they should go to religion classes. Like they're just, they'll just kind of chime in that way. But I said, um, well, and it took it. She's my friend, but it still takes me courage to say that, to say more. Oh, and yeah. I just said, mm -hmm. Well, that's, I think that's why faith is important. And because um, faith is really about knowing that there is a God who is who who loves you, that he that he is a perfect father who loves you. And then um, she like paused for a second. She was like, huh, you know, and then and I said, I think those kids, they do what they do because they're in pain and they really need to be loved. And so, and I said also, of course, with, you know, they need the love of their family, but ultimately God's love is so powerful for parents and for kids or something like that along those lines. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like it was a Kairos moment because I literally felt like in that pause, it was like the mundane, kids are yelling, get off that, stay off that, keep distance. You know, we're in COVID times right now, put hand sanitizer on. And then she was talking about this teenage, um, these teenagers and her family. And then when Faith came into the story, things started slowing down and there was a pause. And, and I was able to speak of Faith as not of religious activities, but as a person that there is a perfect father, you know? And so it's, it's an introduction, of course, you know, but mm. it wasn't the full story of the gospel. You know, I didn't just flat out say to her, Hey, do you want to, so do you want to know the Lord? I didn't say that, 
But I felt it was a Kairos time in that I literally felt things slow down and I felt her go, hmm, that's true. Like, it it was like she she was like, I didn't think about it that way, you know? Hmm. So I think in the mundane, um, God has, you know, he does what he does as well. He breaks through the mundane and then bam, like he does what he does. And so I am continuing to pray for her, you know, mm. but do I like, I mean, I, yeah, she's a good friend of mine. Like not, not so much a good friend. Like everyone knows mom friends could become good friends, but usually your focus is mom, your mom friends because you're friends to the association of your child, especially when they're young, because you kind of supervise ladies, right? Yeah. But yeah was it uncomfortable of course because she can be very antagonistic actually (laughs) because sometimes she vents to me about like um you know christians and how conservative they are and because she comes from a very liberal background you know Mm -hmm. and um you know because there are a lot of things that christians do sometimes it's not even value driven of what we believe, but it's just all external. And I think she definitely caught, you know, caught that. But I remember she said to me once, she said, you know, Lydia, I actually like talking to you about faith. This is way before COVID, she said this to me. Mm. Um, So it was like hard for me to bring it up after seven months of not seeing her, you know, like it's yeah. like continuing a conversation after this huge pause, after this tragedy of pa- the pandemic. I mean, we haven't mm. even passed through it, but it was very inconvenient. But she had said, like, you know, I like talking to you about faith because it makes sense. Like, I don't really understand all this other conservative stuff that people talk about. And honestly, I'm not sure if I agree, she said. But she said that she likes talking about it. And she likes to ask me questions about it. So I think in some ways I helped her continue the conversation, you know? Right. So, but I, like, like, like that, it's very not that great. What's the word that Sam uses? It's not very sexy all the time. You know, it's not like, bam, yeah. wow, great. Wow. That's all, you know, that's like, yeah. whatever. It's not like that. It's not a slam dunk all the time. You need to dribble, 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 you know? <laughs> I'm 20. I, I talk about basketball in association to my, to my husband. I don't know anything about yeah. basketball. But a lot of times <laughs> you're accurate, dribbling, <laughs> you're dribbling and you don't get the ball because, well, the game kind of is, you know, mundane. Yeah. So, but we're faithful to the mundane. We're faithful to the mission in the mundane. You know, we don't just follow Christ and go into action mode in the Kairos, but we live faithful to him each day for the mission, for the one lost sheep in the mundane mm. every day. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, the story you shared kind of reminds me of this meme that I saw the other day, which was kind of funny. Uh-huh. It was like related to the whole uh, um, being a believer and like having friends and like being scared of talking to them about it because it kind of it was like um is that 
so the, the other person saying, "Hey, you're such a nice person. Like, what's the catch?" And the other person <laughs> says, "Oh, there's no catch. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm just a Christian. You know." And then they're yeah. like, "Oh, there's the catch. You know, it's like, I think there's like, it's kind of hard to bring up faith, um, especially with my friends that are not believers, because like, you don't want to like, like feel like there's an agenda or a reason outside of like mm-hmm. genuine." care or love that's involved in wanting to you know spend time or talk about the gospel with them because it's like hard you're right i think it's like really hard to bring that up um because it's like i don't know how you really feel about me as a christian or as a believer because of what like because of what i'm trying to tell you about the gospel if you if that makes sense yeah um i think there's like a lot of like i'm assuming there's judgment right like i'm there's like the assumption that they're going to judge me um mm. because of my faith um mm. but you know your story is encouraging because i think like sometimes i do think these kairos moments are like these big grandiose like boom like this person's like oh like the gospel totally makes sense or like yeah i, to- I want to come to church with you or like you know, you like, mm-hmm. I think there's like this expectation that something like crazy is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I didn't even really consider the thought that those moments could just look like small, mm-hmm. smaller things or agreements or, oh, mm-hmm. that could be true. Something that like moves the needle in some direction. Because you're right. Like, I think in terms of basketball, like dribbling is the fundamental aspect of the sport and you can't get to dunking mm-hmm. or doing something spectacular without being able to dribble the ball that's true right uh-huh. you know so yeah I, I found your story really encouraging because it's like oh it's in the practice of the fundamental things the mundane things just like i guess in this context it would be mission like focusing on mission mm-hmm. um like we we might not know that we're involved in these kairos moments big or small right yeah i think often we focus on the conversations that's not being had had (laughs) you know it's like it's kind of like the elephant in the room but kind of in a different way in that we're thinking about how they might be judging us you know Mm, or not being good enough or being goody two shoes or you know but that's not always the conversation that gets brought up right which is interesting people are actually genuinely interested and curious about faith about about jesus christ you know Mm. so i think a lot of times that's also the kind of like the mechanism that the enemy uses against us to make us kind of lose sight of what god is doing to not pay attention to what God is doing and to be self-focused, you know, but so what's wrong if we have an agenda? I mean, yeah, if your agenda is to kind of just like ride all over the person and kind of throw Christ at them and then sprinkle them (laughs) with water to baptize them, I think, yeah, that's wrong because, you know, real faith happens to genuine conversations and genuine relationships. But our, the agenda, I think, the fear of having an agenda, I mean, 
I think we could think differently about it and give that to the Lord. I think that's important for us as believers because sometimes mm-hmm. that's that becomes a conversation believers get so stuck on that we actually never end up doing anything as a result right. of that fear. You know? Mm. Like, I think the assumption that I had to work with was even some mom friends, like, they always thought, wow, Lydia, you never yell at your kids, right? Like, I don't know. They thought I have this halo on my head. And <laughs> I get it. Like, they they see me and I guess, you know, like, whatever Christ has done in me, there is some revealing of that thank god but i know who i am and i'm a mess you know Mm. i yell so i'm always telling them no i yell at my kids all the time and (laughs) i regret it too like Mm. i'm in a place of like trying to prove that i'm not perfect and that's not why i'm a christian i'm imperfect that's why i'm a christian you know so but i think there's the other extreme of um yeah you know always trying to prove genuineness but I think a lot of times the focus, that's the focus the enemy has on based on our weakness and our insecurity. And it's not really the conversation that um, people are interested in, per se. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They might, there may be attacks against that because people really test if you really do care. I think when people mm. feel like you have an agenda, it's really because you really care what we're talking about. Do you really care about about what I'm saying, or do you have an agenda? But if you have an agenda to love someone, there's nothing wrong with that agenda, you know? So yeah. think, I think just thinking differently about that statement, having an agenda, I think is really important for us mm. to grow in evangelism. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, because I think one of the ways in which I, I try to reconcile um, my quote unquote agenda is that, you know, I, it's like I agree with the gospel wholeheartedly about love, mm-hmm. you know, like that's that's fundamentally why I am a believer, you know, I am a Christian because I believe that, you know, I've been loved and, you know, I love people, I care about them and I've hoped for them just as much as Jesus has cared and hoped for me also. Like I can only see as far as I've been loved, I think. And so like it's because that's such a fundamental and important thing it's like not a bad agenda to have because like i think um Mm. as far as relationships go i guess there's plenty of reasons why people have relationships or why they have friends whether they want to Mm -hmm. accept the fact that it's a a, like agenda based at all because it serves some kind of purpose or some kind of need i think you know as a generality but you know i think if like if that's the thing that was holding me back I wanted to approach it as, you know, I like, like everything, all of my values kind of align or try, I try to align it towards this direction of loving people and loving God and just loving well. Um, And that's why I'm friends with you. And me being a believer is a part of the whole of that, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or it's the whole, it's the whole part of that, I guess. Like, yeah, I guess it's like more the bigger picture thing in this case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah um and so i totally agree with you i think as far as that goes and i think that's really refreshing because for me i i guess like what i got 
out of this message. And one of my biggest takeaways was that a lot of the times, you know, we're, we're our greatest resistance towards what God is doing. Right. If that, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense in the sense that it's like, I feel like there's a lot of doubts about what God is doing when it comes to this question of, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why would God do this? Um, you know, and like, I think we ultimately get in our own way of destiny and like potential of what God sees. Um, and I guess my question to you, or like one of the like last questions I have in regards to this is, you know, how can we align ourselves and how can we begin to see more if we're, if we're lacking clarity or if we're not really seeing the full picture of things, like how do we like kind of sidestep our own assumptions and our own ego to see the potential or like to see what God is seeing or to to be a part of what God is doing as far as, mm-hmm. you know, his, his agenda and like his mission. Yeah. I think it goes back to all the messages, you know, previous messages about paying attention. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a message in particular about, you know, where God has placed you even in this, um, time of covid is where god wants you to be you know i think that's important because i think that could be very obscure like why am i here you know why am i um you know a lot of people are working remotely now in the city so you're kind of stuck with your roommate or you're kind of stuck with your family um, cause commute has been eliminated, you know, there's really no where to go. I mean, we're in New York city, like we're, it's, it's not like it used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we miss the people, people. that are, it, that live with us, <laughs> you know, and God is mm-hmm. saying, pay attention to that. And a lot of people are quarantined um or in lockdown with people that are not believers and is it okay i think a lot of um a lot of believers in these situations have asked me like members have asked me like is it okay to find meaning in that absolutely i think a lot of people were encouraged by that 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 is what that is where you're supposed to be that is what god is doing because many families, as a result of being together in this, you know, we're not in a lockdown anymore, but what are we? We're in phase four and a half. <laughs> you know, like four and a half. And on, yeah. yeah, but basically, a lot of people are still being very careful that, you know, we have stopped the spread, per se, but um, not stopped, the, like slowed down the right? the spread Mm -hmm. but people are still very careful in new york and especially people with you know older parents um or compromised immune systems like you have to be very careful so you're kind of in people are in in these situations where they would have never been living in their family's house but for the sake of being able to see them throughout all this time and being safe they're living with their families again they're living with their siblings and their parents and 
you know, their sister-in-law and brother. Like, these are very interesting times where you're, you're a Christian and you're kind of like the only Christian in the house. For a lot of the, you know, members that have come to Christ in the, la- in the recent years, right? And there is meaning to all of that. That is where God wants you to be. And as a result, many unbelieving family members, unbeliever family members, grandparents have heard the gospel, have asked about the gospel. What is this gospel? What is this that you're doing? What are you singing? Because some people have never, ever heard about church, never heard a mm-hmm. worship song, never heard the gospel, never heard a pastor come up to the front and talk, right? And so this started many different conversations. So you might be home with, you know, I mean, some are blessed to have leaving parents and family members, but not everyone is in that place where they could say that everyone, you know, is a Christian. So it's become a witness opportunity for so many people. So pay attention to where God has put you at this time in life. And really think about, I know that it's really difficult to be placed under the same roof with the people you don't really get along with. I'm talking about like non-believing family members, right? Mm -hmm. People that are not only antagonistic, maybe in personality, but also to you for your direction and your choices because you're a believer. I mean, there's persecution in the home all around right now as well, but pay attention and um, ask the Holy Spirit to show you through the resistance what he is doing, you know, so that you don't miss what's right in front of you. You don't miss your parents that are in front of you, your grandparents that are in front of you who also need the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. your siblings that are in front of you so that you don't miss their need for the Lord. Because I think a lot of times we take think so literally and we think, oh, I need to get out of this country. I need to get out of this place, get out of this house. But I think God is not opposed to your own home. God is not opposed to that. He's not saying go and actually get somewhere physically. But yeah. that sometimes the dirt road is right in front of you, like the room down the hallway, you know? Mm. So pay attention to what God has been doing um, and ask the spirit to show you what you couldn't see, what felt obscure and ask the Holy Spirit to show you and to reveal to you the people that God has already placed in your life in your time of limitation of seeing others, you know? So I think God is doing a lot of powerful things. I think one of the reasons for obscurity is not just a weakness, or our calculation, but our calculation is also kind of distorted by warfare. And mm. to discount warfare would be, I don't know, it would, it just, it would not, none of this would make sense if we didn't calculate warfare into that. But God does. He does. And he understands that. And so, um, praying and um, acknowledging resistance and praying with believers for the sake of the mission, for the sake of each other to really follow Christ and to continue on the journey of following Christ and to do his mission, I think is really important. And it really brings us back to the reason why community, why fellowship 
of believers exist, why mission exists, why the church exists, you know? So. Right. Yeah, I'm starting to see how all those things are, they are like built on top of each other for this whole picture of, I guess, what God is trying to do in restoring beauty or you know, bringing fulfillment and flourishing, like it's all a part to the whole. And like one of the things that we can do, given our positionality and where we're at in life and maybe in the confusion and I guess questioning the things that don't really make sense as far as what God is doing is to um, reflect and to be vigilant or try to be vigilant about what's really going on, right? And I feel like that's what... um is being, or it's like, that's what the practice or the discipline of thinking about, you know, why the disruptions and what is God doing here is, is kind of coming up time and time again for us to think about. Yeah. Sure. And I think for the seekers too, to continue to seek, you know, and to not give up, but to continue to ask those questions, just like the eunuch asked, um, how well he said, how am I supposed to know if you don't explain it to me? I think he's right on. You know, you're not expected to know, but there there is a lot you can study, but there's a lot to be asked about what it means to follow Christ and who is the person of Christ. And um keep seeking and asking those questions. I believe that you will arrive to the place where you will find him and know him for sure, who he is and what he has done for you. And we're praying for that. We're rooting for that, you know, for that Kairos moment when it becomes very clear. So for seekers and believers, I think the message speaks to all of us. For sure. That's very true. Um, well, I'm all out of questions, but I was just wondering if you might have any final thoughts you want to leave with our listeners today or any um i actually wanted to end by praying for people who are listening yeah people in this situation um as we're still in this pandemic and people are Mm. still in the you know i guess places where they're at and i just want to be able to pray for that so i'll just go right in and pray Father, we want to lift up, um, we thank you for the encouragement of your word, that as we study through the word, that we see so many things that you have done, and the wisdom that comes from seeing your word, and really um, seeing how you have worked through so many different situations, God. We want to pray for those, we want to first pray for the believers, Lord, that are in in situations that are not ideal and as the the um, message says um in situations that are so obscure and not just inconvenient but even to the point of a lot of i think there's a lot of mental and emotional strain as a result especially if relationships had already been turbulent with parents or um with roommates um whatever the situation may have been. And it just feels like people are stuck with these people. And it's easy to lose meaning um, and to lose purpose 
and to lose faith um, pertaining to the, I don't know, the situation and circumstances people are in. And I just want to pray, Father, that if people are shut in with, I mean, we're not really shut in anymore, but stuck under living situations with parents that they don't get along with, who are not believers. Um, and I'm speak, I'm praying specifically for believers who have come to faith and have unbelieving family members. Um, I want to pray, Father, that the resistance would not get the last, um, would not get the last word or the no, but God, that you would break the resistance in Jesus' name. If the persecution and the warfare is so great that it's hard to see meaning and purpose, we pray in the name of Jesus for reprieve. We we pray, Father, that you would bring light and you would bring clarity and vision, um, transcending all that is there to stop your work and your fragrance in in their homes, God. Because we know that your presence is there because of your children that are there. And we want to pray that whatever the enemy wants to stop, Lord, we pray that you're, you would increase in their homes, that you would increase um, courage and faith and boldness by your spirit. Lord, so many people have said that it's so hard to be in these situations. And some people are beginning to see that these are meaningful times because it's almost a setup by force of uh, the circumstance of the pandemic to be with family that normally they've moved out of these places like long time ago, saying they'll never ever live there again except for Thanksgiving. And we pray in the name of Jesus that people would begin to see what you're saying and what you're doing, Lord. And would begin to pay attention, Lord, starting this week. And we pray that the people, your people, would be encouraged by that in Jesus' name. We pray also for non-believers, Lord, people that are seeking, that um, are in this place where it's obscure, really, to seek, to continue to seek. We want to pray that they will continue to seek you, continue to hold on to the understanding that they have been receiving and revelation that they've been receiving about you, Lord, um, through the community of believers, God. And we want to pray that they would not give up, but that they would be encouraged in this in this seeking, God. I think that seekers will, um, in hindsight, people who become believers will, ign will acknowledge that there was a lot of warfare and there was a lot of obstacles. But I know that seekers also have expressed that there is resistance of some sort. And we pray whether it plays out in a physical way, but in the spiritual realm, we want to pray in Jesus' name that you would break through all the walls that are there and that seekers would be encouraged to continue to seek. And um, in the obscurity of this pandemic and the obscurity of the unknown, and that they would continue to look for you, God, and continue to search and grow and learn about you. And we wanna pray for the revelation for them to really meet you and encounter you personally, Lord. So we pray for that as well. And we pray, Father, that for all of us, that we would continue to follow you in the mundane and to be prepared in the mundane for and to create, Lord, in partnership with you, the Kairos moment of destiny, God. So we pray for a lot of that because 
the harvest is so plentiful, Lord. And we pray, Father, for workers, Lord, that you would raise us up to be attentive and to be obedient to the call. That when Spirit, when you lead us, that despite our lack of understanding, that we would follow you and that we would trust in you and that we would continue um, to put our trust in you for those that you are reaching out to, Lord. And so we pray for many more stories of where you are the hero and um, where you save lives and souls, God, um, into your kingdom. So we pray for all of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for your prayer and your insight today, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe, for your insightful questions and for this <laughs> conversation. Uh, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't prepared for that. Oh. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you all for listening as well. Um, if you like what we're doing with this podcast and from our church, you could like subscribe and share uh, as well on wherever you find your podcast. And we want to thank you so much for following us along and listening and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
you bow your heads. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Good afternoon, everybody. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for our Sunday service this afternoon. Before we finish, we have some community news for everyone, and we're going to start off with tithes and offering. As a reminder, you can always tithe through Venmo at Church 180, through our website, 180church.tv, using PayPal, or you can tithe through Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180brg, as well as on Tumblr at 180brg. And here we post just a chapter of the Bible every day and a verse of the Bible on the Instagram account so that we can continue to have God's Word present at all times in our lives because we don't live on bread alone, but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our next announcement is about the prayer text hotline, which you can find at 539-7-PRAYER or online at prayer at 180church.tv. Again, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And the prayer text hotline is there so that we can lift up our requests, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and our family to God. And so that we're not praying about these things alone, but we're praying for them in the context of community. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30. And our college group, the 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. But finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you. From insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lou. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you. and to be blessed by him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. Those are all of our announcements for this Sunday. We want to thank you guys once again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.